We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How we doing? Welcome to the show, IB Nation Sports Talk. We're up and rolling along with Missy Styers. I'm Sean Steyer. It has been raining here in South Bend for a couple of days. Cold rain in South Bend. What's what's it like in Cleveland right now, Jess? Uh, it is very cold, very dreary, very dark. I don't think the sun's been outside all day. It was sleeting slash hailing this morning. Um, so it's just been an overall... Bad day. Not great weather. Um, very bleak outside. Very cold. I, I think I've left the house like one time today, and that's just to take the dog outside. So I don't blame you. I checked the mail. That was about it. <laughs> I actually had to turn the heat on today, too. I was trying to go as long as possible without turning on the heat. was hoping to make it to November, uh, but I took a peek at the thermostat, and it said 59 degrees. Uh, the girlfriend gets back from Puerto Rico today, so I knew that wouldn't fly. So I've cranked it up to yeah. about 66 today, 67. Got a little balmy. All right. All right. I like it. <laughs> Got to warm it up. The Guardians not faring well against the Yankees uh, this afternoon. Both Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge with home runs in the Bronx. Maybe a questionable decision by uh, one of the all-time great managers, Tito Francona. Yeah, I'm not not too sure why they started Savali today. I know a lot of people aren't huge baseball fans here, but, you know, they shouldn't have started Savali. Um, and Cleveland, you know, went through a lot last night. I don't know if you heard, but they their team did not stay in a hotel together. New York couldn't accompany I heard them. that. They had to split across multiple hotels just to get their whole team uh, to get somewhere to stay. I guess there was nowhere in New York that could take a whole a whole team um, and I think it's kind of crazy that the, the the MLS soccer game happened last night in New York, uh, but the baseball game couldn't be played. There's just a lot of weird things kind of going around. Uh, Yankees refusing to sell tickets to, to any Ohio addresses. Also, I saw kind of came out. So, Well, the Padres like- were doing something like that as well with, with the Dodgers fans, you know, and I think a lot of, uh, you know, and the Brewers did that if, uh, like a year or two back. With uh, with the Cubs, you know, once the Brewers decided, hey, we can be good, they said we're not gonna, you know, we we'll take the we'll take Cubs fans' monies when we suck year after year. When these fans come up, you know, run, you know, not very far away to to come to our games, but as soon as we're good, we're gonna start blocking them out of here. We don't want them anymore. So I think it's hilarious when teams do that. Yeah, so there's just a lot of kind of fishiness going around New York right now, but hopefully. 
hopefully the guards can rally here. Uh, not looking too great, but hopefully they can get it done here in the last few innings. Jonathan's already he, – he's Man. coming out with guns blazing on – Pressing buttons. The Cowboys, I know. I mean, it's it's pretty tough for the Eagles to beat a backup, but uh, I I'm I'm excited for the matchup. I don't I don't know about you. I think that you know. I think it set the stage for a really good Christmas Eve game. You know, Cooper yeah, Rush is a backup quarterback. He threw three interceptions. Um, you know, gave Eagles kind of midfield possession every time with those interceptions. And to me, the biggest thing is the Eagles. The Eagles ran RPO all game, and they made Micah Parsons the read man. To me, I'm not sure why you would kind of show your hand uh, in this game where a backup quarterback's going, how you're going to play the Cowboys' defense. Um, it only it only gives the Cowboys film to kind of, you know, do do what they uh, do what they do best. Uh, that's really funny, though, that Jonathan <laughs> Gabrick thinks that because, you know, Dak is 7-3 and three against the Eagles. He's 9-1 and one against, uh, I right. think, the Commanders, and I don't think he's lost to New York yet. So – if he's a backup quarterback, I think a lot of people would take would take those kind of numbers. That's right. That's he has like right. three losses in in like five or six years against NFC East teams. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that that the Eagles showed the way they wanted to defend Micah Parsons to give Dan Quinn something to get that ready he's just for gonna, the next they're time gonna, around. They're just going to so, chew on that until Christmas yeah. Eve. You know, this, this, yeah. it's going to it's going to eat at him. Micah Parsons is a competitor. You know, he's going to be thinking about you know how how he can play, but. Uh, you know, it's just it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I- I'm glad that 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 game happened, um, and I think that they're going to play again a third time. You know, come playoffs, and that's when it's really going to matter. Yeah, I'd take two losses in the regular season if they do play in the playoffs, and and the Cowboys are able to win that game. But that's a long way away. And you know, as Michael says, NFC East been horrible until this year. That's right, and you've got three legitimate teams in the division right now. You know, so I think it's uh, it's looking up. <laughs> For the division. And then there's still Washington, who's, you know, the rest of the NFL wants to get rid of their owner. So, hey, we can uh, we can save some of the NFL stuff for later. We've got plenty of Notre Dame football to talk about. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know, on this date, 1924, a man named Grantland Rice penned these now famous words, outlined against a blue-gray October sky, (laughs) the four horsemen rode again. In dramatic lore, they're known as famine, pestilence, destruction, and death. These are only aliases. Their real names are Stoldrayer, Miller, Crowley, and Layden. 
They formed the crest of the South Bend Cyclone before which another fighting army team was swept over the precipice at the polo grounds this afternoon. Classic. And I remember um, when I was at uh, the first radio station I worked at here in town many years ago, we had the great Harry Callis, uh, former uh, NFL films guy and uh, Philadelphia Phillies longtime radio voice. He recorded that for us, and it was golden. We got to listen to him while he recorded it, and we used it on our pregame shows and all that stuff, and then somebody erased it at some point. I, I would have loved to have had a copy of Harry Callis <laughs> reading that. But 1924, on this date in 1924, nearly 100 years ago. So we spent a lot of time on yesterday's show, Jess. Oh, and before we continue, the the, the usual spiel, hit that like button if you would. Subscribe, rate, review to help out Irish Breakdown in the channel. It continues to grow. We're up almost to 12,000 subscribers right now. So thanks to all the subscribers. And if you're not subscribed, just subscribe, jump on in, join the crowd. But we spent a lot of time on yesterday's show basically trying to get the stink of Saturday's loss off of us uh, to Stanford. Um, I don't think it worked. So we've got plenty of time today to dig a little deeper even. Uh, so when you look at Notre Dame offensively, here are some of the numbers that the Fighting Irish offense currently has right now. They are 80th in total offense. 51st in run offense, 101st in passing offense, 60th in pass efficiency offense, and that took a bit of a hit, uh, hit with uh, you know Drew Pine's game, and obviously the, the two games that Tyler Buckner started didn't help that either. 66th in red zone offense, and 99th in scoring. Uh, so, like, when you look at those numbers, Jess, they, uh, they're not very good right now, obviously. Yeah, so offensively, uh, there's just I, I would say the number one problem right now is just the, the the rhythm between game to game. Sometimes we see them look really good in some, you know, obviously North Carolina, BYU, uh, Cal was you know a right step, but there were still a lot of sloppy things that happened in that game. Um, and, and now we've gone back down to kind of this sloppy offense. And so I took it. I took a deeper dive uh, into Notre Dame's. I watched every drive over and I charted. And the things that I was charting were personnel, uh, split splitter splitter wing, meaning you know mayor. That 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 is just a mayor thing. Like when, when mayors on the field, are they splitting him out or are they putting him at a wing? Because that's usually the two positions at which he's lining up. I looked at you know pre-snap motion, obviously runner pass, and then the 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 result of the play. You know gain gain or loss. So does mayor on the wing typically mean they're they're about to run the football? Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't, unfortunately I got a lot of it, what I wanted done, but I didn't go into like the analytics of, okay. you know, right. wing means run. And then this is, I want to though, that that's the next step. That's the kind of looking at, okay, if we're in 11 personnel and they go wing, are they more often to run? And what is the result going to be, you know, because of, because of that, that, you know, specific, you know, 11 personnel wing motion run, what does that outcome lead to? So that is my next step. Um, but I was today more looking at trends, you know, looking at first down was a big thing I looked at. And then another, another big thing I looked at, because I know it's, it's, it's the big topic right now. Is it, is it execution or is it coach led failures? Meaning is right. Tommy putting them 
preparation, game right. planning. Is Tommy putting them, calling the right plays for this for this offense to be able, you know, to 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 do the things that they're supposed to? So I looked at a lot of patterns today. You know, looking at okay, first down, this is what they were. You know, pattern was third down. This is the pattern. And then overall, was the play a failure because of bad execution? Or do I believe that they called a bad play that was, you know, put them in a bad spot, set them up for a bad play? I would say the number one, like uh, the number one example that comes to mind when I say, you know, Tommy called a bad play and put him in a bad spot was the fourth and one on the goal line. There's no reason to run the Jaden Thomas jet sweep around. That's a that's a play. A and, fourth and, and two, you mean? Fourth yeah, and the two. fourth and two. Yeah. Uh, and that's a play where I'd say, you know, Tommy failed them because there's they have no business running a jet sweep on fourth and two like that. I think there's so many more. Well, different plays you can run in that kind of situation, but that's that's the way I was looking at it. I was going to say I've got we've got that for uh, we're going to talk about that in rapid fire. So we will save the fourth and two for rapid fire, so we can jump deeper into that one. But that is coming because I definitely have some thoughts on that. I don't want to blow it all now because I know you've got plenty of of you know plenty more to talk about beyond just that. So, but but it. I agree with the general sentiment and specifically going back and watching that again. I just, I, I just shook my head, you know, again, when you look at personnel and formation and, and, you know, who's doing what, and it, it just drove me nuts watching that. But um, so where do you want to start? Because you know, like, I know you had some stuff you wanted to diagram first. Let's just start with this, I guess. What inconsistencies are you seeing in Notre Dame's offense now as you've kind of taken a little bit of a deeper dive? I'd say the number one inconsistency that I've seen is, is you know, what made them good against uh, North Carolina and good against BYU compared to this last game is first down. First down is the most critical drive or most critical uh, point of any Notre Dame drive. You know, that's and that's every first down. It's not just the first down to start the drive. It's every first down. So, for instance, you know, Notre Dame's first drive, what does it start with? A minus five penalty. Penalty. That's, that's going to get you behind the sticks. And in this offense, when you're trying to run the ball and you're trying to get in second and favorable, third and favorable, you can't take minus plays and zero yard plays on first down. And so the biggest inconsistency I saw was execution or uh, just success on first down, I would say. That's the number one inconsistency is BYU and North Carolina, they got ahead on first down. They made, you know, they set themselves up for very easy second and third. And that wasn't the case against Stanford. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of things going wrong on first down. And that's a tribute to, you know, players not executing. And then, like I said, Tommy just calling bad plays. You know, why are we why are we doing these kind of things? And then another big thing that I looked at in consistency wise was formation. A lot of this week was just dominated by 11 and 12 personnel. For some reason, they ran like one or two plays out of, you know, two back personnel and it seemed like last week against BYU, their first three drives, they were just rotating out in and out of all these different formations. And that's what they need to be doing. You know, Jason Garrett made a good point when they played BYU. Notre Dame show needs to show Tommy hold it, Reese. Hold it. Just, just for the crowd, Jason Garrett made a good point. Okay, go ahead, Jason. <laughs> Relay Jason Garrett's point. Yeah, Jason Garrett good. made a good point against BYU. You know, on that on those first few drives, they were coming out in a lot of different formations, a lot of different, you know, seeing what's working, seeing what's not going to work. And that's what I like. I don't understand why Tommy went away from that in this game because 
you know, their first three possessions was just nothing but 11 and 12 personnel, 11 and 12 personnel. And when you have a three headed running back monster, I don't understand why you're not experimenting with 21 personnel, 22 personnel, and just seeing what you're getting out of it. And, and, you know, with Stanford being a bad running team, why are you not putting two running backs on the field and committing to a, a, a power run scheme and getting one of your guys on the outside? Well, and that's, you know, when I, when I go went back and watched the game and look at the person, you know, like the 21, you know, I'm thinking as I'm watching it live, there's so many things that I'm, that I'm tracking that personnel groupings are not, you know, part of it at this point, because, you know, I know Brian and Vince do a lot more of that kind of stuff for the post-game show, but going back and looking and so during the game, I'm thinking there's not a whole lot of two back stuff going on right now. And then sure enough, you go back and watch it and there's not, but just from watching some more today, the times they did use 21, they seem to be pretty successful using that against Stanford. Did you? Yeah. I mean, so if, if, if I, if, you know, I, I, we're all humans and we err, but if I, if I tracked it right, I would say I'm looking at it right now. I think they only came out of two personnel three times, uh, two, two running back sets. They came out three times. The one time they did it, let's see here. So they have uh, 21 personnel, four yard run, uh, 22 personnel, five yard run. Um, let's see another 20 personnel, nine yard run. Uh, those are, yeah, those are the three I see. So we're talking 19 yards on three plays. You're averaging six yards a play with 22 back personnel. And you only ran it three they times. They only did it three times after it's been so successful every time they've used it before this, it, you know, it, again, it's just like, it seems like they're outsmarting themselves or he is outsmarting himself with all this different stuff he's trying to do. I still don't get why so much 12 and 13 personnel against a bigger team that lacks speed like Stanford. It, it was, it was really baffling to me because that, that seemed to be the personnel grouping of the night for the most part. Yeah. I mean, 11 and 12 personnel were about 50, 50, you know, they, they ran 13 a couple of times. I told you they got into 21 and 22, like one time each, but you know, I have all their plays. I would say it was 50, about like 45%, 11, 45%. Uh, 12 and then the last 10% can be, you know, a combination of all the, the kind of one-off plays uh, that they ran here and there. But that's the number one thing where the, the theme that I'm looking at is, is it execution or is it Tommy? And this is a big mark in the Tommy category for not coming up with the game plan that included more two-back personnel in which in a game in which you knew you had to run going against a very bad Stanford defensive line. And then not to mention a Stanford defensive lineman got hurt during the game, you know? And, and so that, that already puts them down at a weakness. And so I just don't understand why we are going less and less or against Stanford, why there was not a more concerted effort to use the best thing that your team has right now. And that's a three headed running back monster. I love this from Derek. Tommy would go 05 personnel if they were all healthy. And I I don't doubt it for one minute. I don't doubt it. And I just, I get so, I know Vince is sick of hearing me say it at this point because, you know, we sit next to each other in the press box. I just rail on all this 12 personnel. And when I rail the hardest is, is again, it, I sound like a broken record with this, but they they bring in all these tight ends, right? So now you've got tight ends strung out across the line you've obviously got your five offensive linemen you've got at least two more guys so that's seven 
maybe even, you know, the third, if it's 13, so that is eight, you have all these extra bodies in the box. And then what do they do more times than not? Now, there have been a few times, very few, where they've, where they've gone outside. I think, I'm, I'm trying to remember, was Estimate 11 or 12, the Estimate touchdown? I can't remember off the top oh, of my here head. We you go. Might I have got it. you right here. But so many times they bring these extra tight ends, bring these extra bodies into the box, and then what do they do? They run a dive right at the teeth of the defense with, with eight men stacked in the box, and I'm sick of seeing it. Yeah, and that's the number because one they've got thing. the speed to win on the outside. If you're going to go 12 personnel, which is – I know you're not a fan of it, right? But if you're going to go 12 personnel, why not run to the outside where you're trying to seal the edge? If you're going to go yes. 12 personnel, at least run to the outside. Stop yes. running up the middle. Because and that's what – if, if they would do the that – yes, if they would do that, I wouldn't mind seeing it. But the problem is – they're not doing that. They're doing what I, you know, am, am saying. They're they're running right at the teeth of the defense when they're bringing extra bodies in. If you're going to bring the extra bodies in, like you said, seal the outside, kick a run outside, and you've got a chance of banging one, you know, for for a big gain with a guy like Chris Tyree or Logan Diggs or even Estime for that matter, because of the speed they got and everybody's sitting there. You know, again, they're all in the box. You know what we didn't see, and I just thought of it because someone said, "Why are you?" Uh, but Thomas Welsh, Walsh. Said, why are we not, you know, why aren't the running backs being used in the pass game? And that's another thing. How many running backs pass were there uh, on Saturday? Zero. How many yeah. screen plays were set up? Zero. There were zero After- running back screens. There were zero wide receiver screens. There were zero tight end screens. There were zero screens overall. Um, and, you know, what did we talk about a few weeks ago of plays that progress off of their offense? Flaring out the backs, getting the backs to wheel up the sideline, getting backs one-on-one with linebackers. There was zero of that. <laughs> and remember, you know, again, that. go back to the Cal game. If you want to talk about 21, the fact that they had two backs and they threw it, they threw to both Estime and Tyree with the same play, and they used Estime to set up the pass, the touchdown pass to Tyree the first time. Again, it was the Cal game, and then North Carolina, really since then, we've seen diminishing even – you know, ideas of throwing to the running backs. And that's what, you know, these running backs had all the, they strung together all these, you know, you had in the two games against Cal and North Carolina, you had multiple backs in each game with a hundred plus yards from scrimmage with a lot of that factoring from the passing game. But then BYU, you had one back top a hundred yards and that was estimate. He only caught one pass. He nearly got to a hundred on the ground. He only got one pass. And, you know, again, you saw a lot less from Diggs and Tyree. Now, of course, you had a drop screen that could have gone somewhere. But even then, like there, there, there were more opportunities to do it. And they obviously didn't do it against Stanford either. And like the mismatches those running backs presented against Stanford and the fact that they weren't throwing to him, that's just a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, it, it just it's really, really, really baffling because, you know, to be to be quite honest with you offensively, I think that Notre Dame's offensive line in combination with their three-headed running back monster is the strength of their team. And the reason why Mayer gets to have success is because of when you're running the ball well and you have good play action. And so, yes, Mayer is a good piece of the puzzle, but he only works in, you know, with the success of your running backs. And so when you have three very, like, these are three running backs that could be starters at different schools, right? And so if you have three of these guys, why are you not making considered effort to hit more runs on the outside? to get them more involved in the passing game because it just sets up everything else for them on offense. And so that was the big number one, you know, I guess this could be broken down into pregame and endgame. 
pregame big drop of the ball by Tommy, you know, game plan coming into what they practice, you know, what they practice during the week. I just can't believe that there was not a lot of two back personnel uh, with more of a concerted effort to run outside and to get the running backs involved in, in the pass game. And it's that you can, you can still RPO when you have two backs in, you can RPO to one back and flip out to another back that's well, going into the flat. And it's just, it's so, so easy to do. And I'm just so confused. You and know, that's, that's another subject altogether, the lack of RPO in this offense, when that could be a, a huge part of it as well. Because I said yesterday, the same guy who's calling this season was calling the, the Fiesta Bowl. And what was a big part of the offense there? RPO, right? We saw more of that in the Fiesta Bowl. We're not, we're not seeing it right now. And, I mean, Drew Pine is a third-year quarterback. You know, he obviously hasn't been starting, but he's been here for three years. I, I just, I, I, I've got to believe that that he can read a defender and and run more RPO. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think kind of going the the next stage or next point I'd, I'd like to go into with the offense is I want to I want to share a screen. I'm not not diagram anything, but I want to show kind of how I broke down. Uh, you know, their drives and then the result of them and then kind of, you know, what what were the bad plays attributed to Tommy okay. or, you know, just execution. So let me see uh, if I can pull up my screen. Um, I do like good. this comment from Brian J. Irish. He says he believes Reese underestimated Stanford. It was like Reese's play calling was for a gimmick game to show off his NFL knowledge and it backfired on him. And I don't disagree with that. So. All right, so this is look at all these numbers. (laughs) This is what I did. So, I like I said, this is broken down per drive. We blow this up so people can see it a little bit better. Okay, I I think we're good there. Uh, so so then we have, like I said, here's the personnel column. This is based, like I said, this is a mainly a mayor thing. Is he split out? Is he the wing? Is he on the line of scrimmage? Are they using motion? What the play is, what the result is, and then just kind of notes, uh, over here. So First down, we get a loss of run, loss of one on top of a five-yard penalty. I chalked that up as Notre Dame didn't execute. Jared Patterson, false start. You know, very first run play of the game, they lose one yard. I, I know, you know, you can say a lot of things about Tommy, but he can't he can't go out there and block and he can't run free, okay? Sure. So that's that's an execute there. Uh third down, what do we do? We throw it to Mayer and it is deflected. That's a that's an issue of Drew Pine. We've seen that before. He needs to, he just needs to not do that. You know, it's something that has happened to him before and it continued to happen throughout the game. So I chalked that up as an execute. Okay. We're going into the second drive here. They pick up a first down. And then what does Tommy do on first and 10 after gaining 19 yards? He decides to pass. And so now we're sitting at second and 10. And that's what we were talking about. Second and 10 is not something you can do in this offense, right? Okay, then we get into a third and long, third and nine. Who who is who is Pine looking for again? Oh, and uh, uh, here's a here's a pattern on third down. I mean, Yellow. we know who he's looking for, right? <laughs> right. Who is he eyeballing the whole time? Mayor. Bad pass. Doesn't you know they they go out again? So that's that's on Pine. That's an execute play, right? Okay. So that's the first pattern I've I've seen here. Mayor third down. Mayor third down. <laughs> They get a bat, they get a blocked punt, right? Great field position. We're starting on Stanford's 32 yard line. Look at all these red plays in this sequence. I know. You know 
That's red means bad for anyone that's looking at this, right? Like a okay. bad test that you took home. <laughs> so first play, Mayer gets called for a holding, right? Questionable holding call, but Mayer can't hold. That's an execute play, right? Tommy calls a great play. They get down the sideline. They run on first down. They get almost 15 yards or what would have been 15 yards. Mayer gets called on the hold. Okay, that's another execute play, right? Okay, here's where it gets interesting. First and 10, Stanford's 13-yard line. Nine in the box. Nine in the box. They check over to the sideline, and they still run a play. They still run a run play with nine in the box, minus three yards. So now we're sitting at first and 13. That's a Tommy play. Okay, then we get the touchdown. A legal formation. Tyree is covering the, 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 the tight end on the outside. Right. Can't do that, right? That's an execute play. Next play. Pine misses Lindsay in the end zone for a touchdown. Will look to be kind of wide open. Another execute play for me. They get bailed out by, you know, Pine running here on on third and eighteen, getting a great great run. And then what do we get on fourth and two? This is to me. You, you had to get points on this block punt drive. This is a big momentum shift in the game. And Notre Dame didn't recover from it for a while. And Tommy calls up this jet sweep on fourth down. And they don't get it, right? And it's like it almost the fact that you did block a punt, you're gifted this field position. It's almost like, well, we're playing with house money, so we've got to go for the touchdown. You know, like whether you agree with that decision or not. And, you know, there's there's varying degrees of this. Like whether or not you agree with going for it as well as obviously whether or not you agree with what they called on that play. Me personally, I'm taking the three points. Your team just blocked a punt. You're not looking great so far. I know you know everyone. You want to you want to get that touchdown, but to me, you got to throw some points up on the board. So that's and you're a bad only decision. down by seven at that point. It's seven nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, yes, yeah, it'd be seven three. Okay, so then now it's still seven zero zero. Sorry, I'm going to try to go through this. I know this is a lot, but this is just kind of how I'm looking at it. Um, this is drive four. You know, we see four straight run plays, right? Digs all of them. We pick up uh, what looks to be 14 yards on four straight run plays. Okay, first down midfield, Tommy <laughs> draws up a pass play. It gets deflected again. That's a, you know, why are we calling a pass play on first and 10 from the 50-yard line after we just ran four straight run plays for 15 that yards? Worked. Yeah, that worked. For 15 yards, okay? And then we get into second and second and long. The worst thing that this defense, you know, this offense can do. They run, they get three, third and seven. Oh, no, another third down. Who are we looking at? Who? Oh, Mayer again? Oh. <laughs> For the third time on third down. And what's that say right there? He's double teamed. He Not only is he looking at Mayer, but he's double teamed, right? So that's execute play, in my opinion. Pine can't throw to a guy in double coverage, no matter what the play call is. All right, drive five. First and 10, Notre Dame's 40-yard line. Great field position. We run the Lindsay reverse, minus eight on first down. Another you know, behind the sticks on first down. That's a Tommy play, okay? Drive six. This is uh, this is right before halftime. This is they, – they just got the stop. Uh, you know, Stanford decides to go for it. They don't get it. Uh, and now, you know, Pine runs on first down, one yard. Can't be, can't be first or second and nine, you know. That's just not, not good. They get into a third and long. This time they complete, but who is he looking at again on third down? Michael Mayer. Yeah fourth straight time that he's looked at mayor on third down okay they get all the way down you know they, they get to about midfield 
Pine obviously fumbles. That's an execution play. You know, Pine Pine can't be fumbling. So then that takes us into half. Uh, right, first drive out of halftime. Uh, runs for six. Runs but I'm for- looking at, like I'm looking at the the like just the mayor. Like every third down, literally. Every third down. That's that's the pattern I'm trying to highlight here. <laughs> every third down is Mayer. Whether he is open or not, they are, he is only looking at Michael Mayer. So first drive. And I just want to emphasize that, you know, this, you know, this is why college football teams have staffs of analysts because each of the analysts – is going back, you know, one of them is looking, at least one of them is looking, you know, like once you get into the season, okay, Joe has the the North Carolina game, Bob has the BYU game, and they're all putting together data like this, looking for tendencies. And this is such an easy tendency when Drew Pine is looking at their All-American tight end on every third down. And if you look, he is double teamed almost every time in there. Yeah. So coming out of the half now, drive seven, straight 12 personnel. They run for eight yards, right? Okay, good job. Finally running on first down. We're picking up positive yards. Call a pass play on on third and two. Mayer's bracketed and, you know, incomplete pass. You get eight yards on first and second running the ball. Why not just pound it for two more? Instead, we call a pass, okay? Not a good thing by Tommy, okay, to double down on that. Pine throws to Mayer again on third down and double coverage. So they could split the they could split the responsibility on that one. Okay. Alfred just emphasized that, like, you know, all these throws to Mayer are obviously they're not all on Tommy because, you know, Drew Pine has to be able to find the open man. I remember one of those plays. I don't remember which drive it was, but you know, that you know, like we've talked about the fact that there are open receivers. Like there was a third and relatively short. Pine goes left to a double teamed. Michael Mayer, while sitting on the right, two yards past the sticks, is Braden Lindsay, you know, sitting there all alone, basically, you know, just ready for an easy pitch and catch for a first down to move the sticks, you know. Yeah. So then we get into drive eight. They're finally, they finally score a touchdown, right? So they start that off with a great run play on first down. Diggs takes it to about midfield. They get a great pass play in. Mayer's, Mayer's looking good. They get a solid another run play on first down. Second and short, uh, Pine misses, you know, Mer- this is the, the where Mer- he misses Merriweather on the on the touchdown on that, you know, right. and this this is the, the outside fade route. This is the NFL's favorite route uh, this year is that that kind of slot wide receiver fading, you know, kind of towards towards the end zone. So that's I, I missed that one. That's an that's a Pine execution play. That's red. That's Pine not executing. OK, third down. Who are we looking for again? Luckily, we convert. But again, another third down. He, he throws it to Mayer, and then Estime runs in for the touchdown, okay? And a big thing I noticed on this one, why hasn't Tommy been going to tempo before this? It, this is their first drive using tempo, and look look what happens. They score a touchdown. Boom. They're getting on the ball. They're putting pressure on Stanford. They're not letting him sub. You know, their guys are getting winded. Well, so, so let me ask you about that real quick because, you know, this is a, a, another hot topic right now just in terms of you know this this scan offense you know the the you know where they go to the line of scrimmage and they stand forever what do you think about all of it um I know there's a lot of mixed reviews on it I don't personally think it's the downfall I don't is it is it great no but is it 
is it tell me better? as a defensive player though like as a defensive player when you see the other team taking all that time and they're checking and and you know and, and doing all that stuff what's what's going on 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 your end well obviously you, one you're getting a breather right you get to catch your breath for kind of a second and then two you know the the offense is largely looking over to okay this is what the defense is showing us this is the play that we want to run um most often of the time you know it's like 50 50 you're going to change your formation a little bit maybe so that means the defense kind of has to shift you know maybe some strength calls or shift some you know shift their alignment uh a little bit but you know most of the time it's it's they're staying in the same formation they're just looking over to basically confirm if that's the play they want to run or if the, you know they'd like to switch um into something else so on that aspect i'm fine because i'm all about getting into the right play and, and picking the play that's going to you know give them the best shot at success um, and ideally, you know, you have a quarterback that can do it on his own, but Pine is so inexperienced, they don't really trust him. And that's why they're using this scan and going over to the sidelines. So, you know, it, it's no different than you, you, when NFL teams come up to the line of scrimmage and you hear a lot of oh. kill, kill, you know, da, 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 da. Right. It's just that Pine isn't, he's not making the decision himself. He's looking and it over. It also takes and longer. And, uh, you know, like the, the thing that you're talking about, one, you're giving the defense the chance to catch their breath that are literally not back on their heels. But two, you know, if you're if you're running the tempo like you were talking about on that possession and the defense is a little bit winded and then you've got to hurry yourself to get, you know, as, as a defensive player to get set up, you know, to, to you know, you're, you're not as sure about what's going on. Like, you know, if you're if the offense is in that tempo you're not you're not only not giving the defense a chance to catch their breath you're giving them less time to survey what the formation is and try to figure out themselves you know you're cutting down their own think time so it makes it harder for them to react as well you know which you know again like it it it, it makes it head scratching that they are so willing to concede that much most of the time when they're doing this Notre Dame is yeah i i, I definitely think there there's a, you know pros and cons to it, but I, I just think with you know Pines relatively inexperience and them wanting to get into the right play, I, I see both sides of it. Maybe maybe doing it a little bit less often, you know, kind of having you know that way you can establish some more of that tempo and not yeah. and, and get kind of rolling, you know that that and that that might be a more of trusting trusting yourself more, you know, as a play caller, you just got to trust with you know what you're calling and and but just roll with it, you know. Like, look at last year. When did the offense finally get some consistency last year? It was the, the end of Virginia Tech when Cone came back in. They had to run some tempo, and they 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 sat back and went, wow, that kind of worked. And then what happened for most of the rest of the season? Heck of a lot more tempo, and the offense under Jack Cone looked a heck of a lot better the rest of the way, a lot more consistent the rest of the way. Definitely agree that that was a big thing that got them going last year was the up tempo, uh, you know, keeping the pressure um, on the defense. And I think that that's just another thing that they need to get into this year. Um, and obviously scan will slow you down, but there's times where scan works. So you just kind of have to, you know, it's just like anything. You got to be able to do it in, in the right situation, I think is the best answer I can give on that. OK. Um, and then I guess these are these will be our last, you know, last two drives here. Drive nine. 13 to 7 defense just stopped Stanford on the fourth down big fourth down stop out coming off of their first touchdown 
Um, you know, some just some good stuff here. Start off in 20 personnel on first down, gain of nine, right? Okay, run, run, run. We picked up, again, another 18 yards on three straight run plays. We mix in a pass here, and then Pine, Pine fumbles that snap. Uh, again, bad execution play. Luckily, next play, he throws – uh, the Merriweather touchdown, and now they are up 14 to 13. Um, and this is the drive where that fumble somehow gets reversed. I, I still don't understand that. Stanford gets a field goal. There's 10 minutes left on the clock. This is Notre Dame's last last possession that I charted. Um, and again, another just another good kind of sequence here. They run the ball four straight times. They pick up over 20 yards on the ground. And then and they, then they go to this, you know, Pine. Pine doesn't throw or makes a bad throw. That's the third and short play where he's he's trying to get it to uh, Lorenzo Styles on third and two, and he, he RPO act not RPO action. He motions out and then goes into the flat and he just drops it. You know, it hits off his hands, but Pine throws it high on fourth down. They run, get six yards, convert first down. You know, this is this is obviously not a it's a bad play, but it's it's a cornerback blitz. You can't really control that. That's a good play by the defense. Uh, there's a flag here. So we're in first, you know, first and long. Estimate gets a great, great run to about, you know, Stanford's 33 and then he fumbles. You know, you can't if you're Tommy Reese, you can't you can't control Estimate uh, fumbling. That's a big execution there. I think if he doesn't fumble that ball, a big, big. Big moments happen in this game uh, with about 10 minutes left. Yeah. The, the fumble getting reversed that gave Notre Dame the ball back and estimate fumbling himself uh, when he's, once he got, once he got the ball back. So I just think that at the end of the day, Tommy Reese, yes, he put them in bad situations with their game plan, but when it came down to, you know, the actual game, there was a lot of bad execution. I understand where Marcus Freeman is coming from when he well, says execution uh in, in game is there still stuff that tommy did wrong in the game yeah but i i chalked it up as in game you know snap once the game started beginning to end i saw more execution errors than i saw tommy reese errors so a couple of things on that one isn't poor execution a symptom of the coaching that you're getting and you know the, the way you're practicing it on a day in day out basis now some of it's good. You know, there are going to be limitations, you know, like physical limitations with who the quarterback is, you know, and, and the you know, some of it's on them. I get that. But at least part of the poor execution, especially if it is this much, has to be on them. And two, again, the situation that like the the plays that you're calling against the defense that you're going up against, the defense that you're seeing, that also contributes to whatever the execution is like. Drew Pine staring down Drew Mayer or Drew Mayer, uh, Michael Mayer all the time. And like, again, like sitting back and looking at almost every third down, that's exactly where the ball is going. Now, obviously that is more on Drew Pine, but again, like I, I, I just, the way I look at it, the, you know, the way these personnel packages are being put on the field against that Stanford defense that has to contribute to the execution as well. Yeah, I guess, you know, what I'm trying to say here is Tommy Reese is everyone's scapegoat right now. And he deserves a lot of, he deserves a lot of, yes, he deserves a lot of this heat. But they still didn't execute on, on, on there's still a lot of execution errors too. And I, I think you. 
I think that that needs to be the ground that needs that people need to give up or, you know, give some ground on is I know these kids are, you know, they're in college and they're just players and stuff, but you know, Tommy didn't have a good game plan. We've already highlighted that they got into the game. They got into bad personnel, you know, choices. We that's Tommy's fault, but there was still a lot of execution plays that happened. Pine fumbling twice, mayor holding uh, an illegal formation that gets a touchdown callback uh, estimate fumbling. There's just, there's, you got to be able to give, in my opinion, it can't all be on Reese. I think what I'm trying to say here is it's a, it's a bad cocktail of execution and Tommy Reese. It's, it's not one or the other. It's a bad cocktail of, of both of them. Tim says five, nine quarterbacks have a tough time now in, Drew Pine's defense. He's 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 a, he's a bit taller than five foot nine. Let's not get carried away. Let's remember that he's standing beside six foot five offensive linemen out there. So you know that makes him look even shorter. He's not Tiny Tim out there. You know he or or Bob Costas for that matter, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. You know he's he actually is 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 closer to. I can verify because I've stood next to him. He is closer to to, uh, to six foot tall than he is to five foot nine. So let's not get too carried away. But I, I get the point. You know, he is he is a shorter quarterback, but other short quarterbacks have succeeded as well. You know, so great stuff. Is there anything else that you would like to add before uh, before we move along tonight? Are we going into? Are we moving along to you know everyone's favorite segment, or or, or I'd like to get into a little bit of defense as well. Not okay, we'll, not we'll, nearly as long. Like I'm talking like five five quick okay. minutes. Let's of touch a some defense then, because I know you prepared some stuff. Yeah, I, and you know the defense is at least playing better than the offense. There, there's still a lot of room for improvement, but like you know the one thing you can say about the defense, you know, because as as an old player friend of mine. Has always told me stats are for losers, but I'll, I'll rattle off some of the defensive. <laughs> but numbers. but the, before you get in, stats tell the truth, right? Stats. I can't believe that lie. too. They're I believe black. that too. There's there's no when you look at the stats, they're black and white. There's no right. lying. Right. But there's, what I was going to say is, you know, stats may be for losers, but you know, when we look at the uh, the point total point totals at the end of the game, Notre Dame is has held. Even though their record is only three and three, they've still held all these other teams well below their scoring averages this year. They've held everyone. You know, like look at what Ohio State has done since that season opener. You <laughs> yeah. know, oh, I got that example. in my little spiel here. Don't you worry. Okay, so total defense they rank 39th right now. Pass efficiency defense 89th. They're 58th in rushing defense, 129th in red zone defense, which is very alarming considering there are 131 teams in the nation. 36th in scoring, and this one really alarming. They are dead last, 131st in turnovers gained. The Notre Dame defense is this season. So what would you like to say about Al Golden's fighting Irish defense, Jess? So there's there's a couple things. Overall, I, I want to say that you know Al Golden is running a scheme here that that is at NFL level, right? And that that is probably um you know the, the number one thing that you that you want to look at is is he doing too much? Is he asking too much of his players? Is he putting you know his players too much in a bind? And before the game against Stanford, we were on the phone, and I told you I said I, I really don't think you know I've been maybe a little bit too hard on the linebackers because they're not playing uh, you know obviously ideal or great, 
But at the same time, you got to look at what is Golden asking them to do? What situations is he putting them in? You know, are they still fulfilling kind of, you know, what what they're being asked to do? And some offenses are designed around, okay, we're, we're willing to concede two, two or three yard rushing plays, right? That's fine as long as we get them to third down, we put them in a passing situation and they don't get the first down. That can be, you know, a philosophy of a defense. So right away, that's the kind of the thing that I was looking at is, uh, you know, are, are, is he asking, asking them to do too much? Um, and I, I think it's kind of 50-50. I think that they can handle it, but at times he, he's kind of – he is asking, you know, a lot when it comes to scheme. Um, but I think that another thing that you have to take into account uh, is, you know, the, the youngness, right? The secondary is very young. You would hope, you know, a lot of linebackers kind of, you know, they have experience at linebackers, but then you have Maris Leofau, who's naturally athletic, getting a lot of his experience in right now, defensive line, that's where they have more experience. So these guys can handle these kind of schemes. So that's what I looked at first. I don't think, right, like they're being so much overwhelmed uh, by scheme. And then, and then what I looked at, the main, you, you brought up a lot of good stats, but the main stat I looked at, is how many points you're giving up. That's what it comes down to, in my opinion. How many points is your defense uh, giving up? They're giving up 22 points per game. That's 27th best in the country. You know, all 131 teams, they're they're the 27th best. They give up 22 points per game. Okay, well then what's the national average? What are other teams giving up per game? You know, what are offenses scoring per game? National average is 28. So they're they're six point. They're basically a touchdown. Yeah. under the national average that's that's pretty good right considering you're playing the number one schedule that's you got to factor that into it playing north carolina playing byu some good offenses right ohio state good offense ohio state's offense <laughs> they, they average 49 a game what I, I what was what did they give up to ohio state again like 20 points i think was Something like that yeah 20 so that's you know 29 points under the average i wanted to find north carolina's average i ran out of time but I'm assuming that number has got to be up in the 30s or 40s. They held them they, a couple touchdowns below their average as well. Right. They they yeah. held them under their average. Okay. So then what's what's Notre Dame scoring per game? What is Notre Dame's offense average per game? 24 points. So Notre Dame's offense averaged 24 points a game. Their defense gives up 22 points a game. Those are all, you know, 20 Notre Dame's offense comes in four, you know, four. Four under average, that's 89th best in the country when it comes to scoring, the 89th best scoring offense, right? Okay, so then Stanford, now kind of looking against Stanford specific. Stanford scored one touchdown the entire game. Opening possession, their opening possession. A lot of teams score on the opening possession, and a lot of defenses make adjustments after that. So, okay, Stanford's only touchdown, opening drive. They score their their next field goal because Pine fumbles right before the half, gives them great field possession. You know, defense can't do much about that when when yeah. Stanford takes over on you know Stanford's forty yard line. So now we're up to up to ten points, right? Well, you know, I'll say this: watching the game, like it sure felt like Notre Dame was giving up more than the sixteen points <laughs> that they gave up. You know it's what just, I mean? Like, yeah, and, and that that's an attribute. I think it's to, because of so many third down. You know, Stanford would just kill them on third down yeah. and extend drives longer. Ultimately, the defense, you know, they they'd finally get off the field most of the time. But it, it just it 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 felt it felt worse than than a sixteen point. Maybe it's because offense wasn't scoring either. 
Yeah, and I, I, that's that's the the main overall point that I'm getting to is you know this this defense gives up 22 points a game. They give up 16 to Stanford. I'm sorry, but if if you give if you hold an opposing team to 16 points and it's Stanford and their run defense is as bad as it's been, you, you can't blame the defense in any regards for this loss. Right. You got to score more than 16 points against a bad Stanford team. And so, yeah. you know, the, what are the downsides to this defense? They don't create a lot of turnovers. They're not getting a lot of pressure for having a good defensive line. They're they're horrible on third down and even worse in third and long, right? It seems every third and long they give up a first down and it's like that screen it, it just, pass. What was it? Third and 12? Third and 12. I was just about to bring that play up. Third and 12 on a screen and just run straight down the field for 13 uh. yards. And then, you know, that uh, their red zone, not great, but you know, look at look at I think that number gets inflated because there's the teams don't get to the red zone very often on them. They give up, you know, basically majority field goals. And so when teams do get in the red zone, yeah, they are scoring, but you know, that's because they're, they're not down there um, very often. So, you know, I, I guess overall what I'm saying is I, I'm okay with the way the defense is playing. I think they're playing above average. Uh, they're, they've held, you know, Ohio state stand or Ohio state, North Carolina, uh, and BYU to you know limiting uh, limited attacks gave their offense a chance to win, and the offense isn't executing. They're not scoring uh, enough points to win these games. But you know, there's would you like the defense to to create more turnovers and probably be better on third and long? Of course you would. But this this to me is, is an offensive problem. This isn't the defense is doing enough for them to win games. Uh, when you have the 90th scoring offense, I think that's the biggest or the bigger issue right now. Yeah, I agree. And you know, like Jonathan's saying, the thing about it is it's that crucial drive at the end, need a stop, can't well, make a stop. You know, see, it's like they're they've been the back-breaking type, you know, like you look at Marshall and and like they've got a chance to get off the field and probably get great field position. They can't make a stop. Ohio State, the long drive before that. BYU, they've got the third and long that they convert and they turn it into a touchdown and, and make a game out of it when it shouldn't have been a game. It's like that that big pivotal kind of stop they just haven't been able to make it seems like yeah and that's you know that's that's going to be the main thing that everyone remembers right they gave up they go up 14 to 13 and then what happens they give up the field goal and go down 16 to 13 yeah i mean it's okay but on that drive they got that fumble that 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 field goal never should have happened i know you can't i hear you what if but they created a turnover they got the ball back and, and somehow there was indisputable evidence to overturn that i mean come on they did like that was such a backbreaker, you know, like the defense yeah. got the turnover. They got the stop on the, the crucial situation after, you know, they got it. takes the only lead. They didn't. And yeah. only they didn't. It's like, what are the odds, you know, like what? <laughs> and so like that, it's, it's just so hard. Cause there's, there's a lot of give and take in my opinion. And obviously you can't, you know, you can't blame stuff on circumstantial situations, but that's a fumble. They did their job. Oh, they took and, the ball you know, back. Like you talk about complementary football, if the offense was doing a better job a higher percentage of the time, that indirectly helps out the defense as well. You know, one, you're not putting as much pressure on them, like every play doesn't become as important. And you're also giving the defense more time, you know, to kind of rest, get their stuff together on the sideline when your offense is on the field more consistent. Yeah. And against, you know, you talked about it. What did Stanford do? They did what Notre Dame should have done. They ran the crap out of the ball and they had very long drives. And it seemed like every drive was third, you know, third down, first down, third down, first down, just yep. long drives kept Notre Dame's defense on the field. That's tiring. 
having to play an RPO scheme is very tiring. So, like I said, overall, very, very satisfied uh, with Notre Dame's defense. Can they do more, like create more turnovers? Yes. Can they create more pressure? Yes. Do they need to step up kind of in these bigger situations and get those key stops? Yes. They need to be able to help their offense out more. But me, glaring issue, offense has to score more points. Um, and that's that's more of the story, in my opinion. But, you know, there's there's still half a season left. I know they're three and three. We know there was going to be growing pains. And I, no one likes to lose. No one likes to lose twice at home to very bad teams. Um, but, you know, I just I, this is going to be the worst of it, in my opinion. I, I think that, you know, this season is going to be the worst of it. I think Marcus Freeman is a very good coach. Um, I think he's a very he's he's very I like the the responsibility and the accountability he takes. You know, it's very refreshing that he doesn't. His first instinct is to blame himself and not the players, and that's going to go a long way. You know, they're getting in obviously good recruits. It's just everyone in the moment is going to be upset, but I just really see a very bright future kind of going forward from this. It's just the growing pains; like it's going to be painful. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.